0: Good morning. Turning your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 6, we're going to talk about parents are a gift from God in our family series here. What would you say is the greatest accomplishment you will ever make? If you're like me, I was uh, determined when I was in uh, fifth grade that I was going to be a famous singer, particularly a famous country singer, and uh, that year, and there is video evidence, but you'll have to, I'll, you, it would, uh, you would have to die to get it, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> I, don't know I don't know another way to say it. but there is video evidence. That year, my fifth grade year, uh, for our fall festival, I dressed up as Billy Ray Cyrus because the famous Song of that year was "Achy Breaky Heart," and I sang it in a crowd of about 600 people, and uh, it was my debut. I just knew I was going to become famous after that, but uh, that was the day before TikTok and YouTube, so I have video evidence, but no one else does. So, um, so what? What is the greatest accomplishment you'll ever make in life? Do you desire to make a name for yourself like I did? Or maybe make a boatload of money? Do you desire to make a difference in the world? I hope we all do. The greatest responsibility you have, I have, if we are a parent, is to raise a child with godly instruction, the greatest responsibility we have. You may be thinking, well, I'm no longer a parent of a young child. Or maybe you're thinking, I've never been a parent of a child. I have good news for you. Just a few moments ago, these pews were filled with children that God has given us as a faith family to raise in the instruction of the Lord. a sense you're a part of, in part responsible for their spiritual development. It's not just the staff that you uh, pay, it's not just the volunteers, the connect group leaders, it's our responsibility as a church. So, no matter how you slice it today that we're going to talk about parenting, we all have a responsibility, a great God given, God ordained, and very heavy in a, way, in a way, and it's just a weighty responsibility to nurture children to the Lord. It's a gift. It's a gift. Dietrich Bonhoeffer said this, spoke well of this. He said, It is from God that parents receive their children, and it is to God that they in turn ought to lead them. Children are a gift from God, and we must steward that gift well. Can I just say in in context of what I was speaking about a moment ago, there, there was a day not too long ago where this church didn't have very many children. There are churches all in our area that have zero. There are churches across the nation that have no children, no babies crying in their service, no youth sitting on the front row, no children making a lot of noise and having a lot of fun downstairs. And those churches are dying. So it is a gift, a gift from God Almighty That we have children and we must ask the question are we stewarding that gift well are we using that gift well I tend to think we are but I want to make sure that we continue to do that the same question is in our lives the Lord has blessed us with children grandchildren great-grandchildren and, and if not physically, maybe in another way as a surrogate or something like that, how are we stewarding that responsibility? You might, you might only be an aunt or an uncle, but you have a responsibility. We all have a responsibility because children, as we learned last week, are a gift from the Lord. I implore you, just as an aside, I implore you next week, if you're able, just to learn more about what you can do and it's not, there's no age gap on it. There's no, uh, you know, no requirements. You're just going to learn. Right after church next Sunday, Keith, uh, Kenneth Acock, who was here this past week, will be back again to give an informational meeting about how we can help with the foster care crisis. Children are a gift from God, as we learned last week. And here's the question, how are we stewarding that gift? What are we doing to make a difference? Let's just jump right into the text today, Ephesians 6, 1 through 4, and I believe this passage reveals four truths found in here today. If you would, to honor the reading of God's Word and you're able, would you stand? Paul's word to the Ephesians church says this, "'Children, obey your parents in the Lord "'because this is right. "'Honor your father and mother,' which is the first commandment with a promise, so that it may go well with you and that you may have a long life in the land. Fathers, don't stir up anger in your children, but bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. This is the word of God. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. I think there are four truths here that that really apply to all of us. Even though Paul addresses... Children first and fathers second. I think in a way we all are the recipients of this message. This is a message that Paul wrote so that it would be read among the gathered saints in Ephesus. It would pass from church to church and church and eventually it would spread to other churches and like uh, the church in Colossae and uh, Philippi and all these other places too. So Paul wrote it with the knowledge and the understanding, the presupposition that it would be read among the gathered saints. So though it was specific, though it was specific to fathers and to children, it was to be gleaned from everyone in the context of the congregation. And so just the same today, we glean some truths from this text that will help us accomplish what the Lord has given us to do, what he's placed on us, and to help us to understand the gift that we have and how to steward it well. Paul instructs the gathered church expecting children to be present, and he tells them to obey their parents. But I wonder Though it was specifically at, aimed at these children gathered among, you know, no, no doubt their parents sitting next to them. There's probably a little bit of a jab or a pinch if you're like me, growing up in church, where um, I grew up in the type of church where, if there was going to be child care that day, it was me taking my three younger brothers down to the basement and being the child care. Otherwise, we were sitting next to mom and we got pinched. So John uh, Paul's reading this, you know, writing this letter, someone's reading it above, and so who knows when that moment came, children, obey your parents. You know, pinch, 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 jab, 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 right? But we can glean from this passage something about the type of parents that we need to be so that our children will gladly obey. That's the first uh, point, is that godly parenting can be happily obeyed. We must teach our children the importance of obedience first to parents, but most of all, that is an overflow of what it looks like to obey God. But we must ask ourselves are we godly parents? And if we are to be godly parents, what does a godly parent do? Well, first from this passage, we see that godly parents teach about God not just in word, but out of the overflow of their lives. Godly parents teach out of the overflow of their life. You don't, I don't have to tell you this. You know this. We all know this. We can teach things till we are blue in the face. But what is caught is often more powerful in a person's life, in a child's life particularly. These kids here, they're watching you. Deacons, they're looking at you. Connect group leaders, they're looking at you. Women's ministry leaders, they're looking at you. They're seeing how you respond to situations. They're seeing if you are godly or not in your life. Not just what you say, but what you do. Parents, your children are gazing at your life uh, constantly, constantly seeing if what you say lines up with how you live. That's scary. That's the weighty part of it. Because we can say a lot, If you're like me, I can say a lot. I got a lot of words every day. That's why I lost my voice when I got sick, because I couldn't shut up. But I have got a lot to say. But the question, the question is, does what I do line up with my life? And what I say, does my life line up with what my lips repeat? The same question is for you and I. If you're a parent and you have a child, if you're a grandparent and you have a grandchild, if you're a great-grandparent and you have a great-grandchild. But listen, that's for all of us. The kids in our church, the kids in our church family need to see you living out a godly life, a life fully dependent upon the Lord. We teach out of the overflow of our lives. You cannot impart something to which you are not devoted. Kids sniff out inconsistencies so well. This may or may not be things that have been said in my house in the past month, probably the past week. But dad does that, but dad says that word. My wife points those out to me very clearly. No doubt because of this this truth, the fact that kids can sniff out the inconsistencies in our life, some man somewhere, some dad somewhere invented the worn-out phrase, do as I say, not as I do, right? It's gotta be a guy that did that, right? It just, just gotta be. But if we wanna produce godly children who happily obey their parents, we have to be consistent we have to live this out when we say this is the word of the Lord this is the word of the Lord thanks be to God we really need to believe it And to live it out that this is the Word of God, and I am striving to depend upon it, striving to follow it, striving to live my life in a way that is aligned with what He wants me to do, so that the people in my life who are less mature can look at me and say, He's not perfect, but He's trying, He's doing it, He's living the life that God wants Him to do, He's aligning His life with God. We have to be godly ourselves. And to me, to be godly means I am wholly dependent upon God. Wholly dependent upon God. Did I say that I am perfect? No. Did I say you have to be perfect to be godly? That's not the point. The point is you are depending upon God to make you perfect when you will fail in and of your own strength. For too long, we tried to be perfect ourselves. And we can see the inconsistencies. We can see that person isn't living this out. But I wonder if we would just turn the dial a little bit and say, I'm not perfect. I don't even, I'm not even striving to be because I know I will fail. What I'm striving to do is look to God and say, God, I'm lost. I'm sunk. If you don't work in my life and help me to be what you want me to be, I can't be this in my own strength. I cannot be God for my kids. I can't be God for Caroline and Lottie and Charlie and Colt. I can't be what they need ultimately, and that is God Almighty in their life and the dependence upon him. But I can be dependent upon God in front of them. Just yesterday, I lost my cool. I hurt Lottie. And I said, you know what? and once I realized I said you know what dad's mess up too and she shook her head really fast <laughs> like yes you did and that's why we need God I need God you need God we need him in our lives Parent, parenting is the perhaps the best way to start being dependent upon him. Because he's given us these wonderful gifts that we mess up again and again and again. And somehow in his providence and his love and his grace, he helps us. Godly parenting is the type of parenting that can be happily obeyed by our children. The second point we see is that God-enabled children should hold parents in respect. Paul's instruction here presupposes that children will be learning to rely on God themselves, that they will be walking with the Lord themselves. He's automatically assuming that of the Ephesus church. He's automatically assuming that there there are parents trying to walk their children into dependence upon the Lord. And so he speaks to them, and he says... You must respect them. You must honor them. You must obey them. Thus, they will find enablement from God alone. It says, children, obey your parents in the Lord. In the Lord. That's what I'm talking about here. This is the enablement we need, whatever we do. Parenting. In the Lord uh, child obeying in the Lord we need the Lord's strength we need the Lord to be the source of our obedience we need the Lord to be the source of our parenting while Paul had no doubt had young children in mind we here can learn something about all, all of us about how to show respect I think people today lack basic respect For their peers much less other adults particularly older adults respect Paul mentions here is a thing only God can supply us it's only something we can do in the Lord and so we need to be in the Lord to be able to respect in this way our parents and others as well and I think that's why he says that you'll live a long long time in the land because you will be dependent upon God, and he's the ruler of all. When we are dependent upon God, we find our strength to face whatever we go uh, forward in. It's in him, and it's in his strength that we are able to walk and move, and when we do things, in our own strength rather than in the Lord is where we find oftentimes the failures and the difficulties and the challenges. I'm not saying the Lord abandons us if we try to do something in our own strength, but I am saying that if we were to do those things in, our own, in His strength rather than ours, it would go well with us a lot better. It's important that we obey God in every area of our life. And that brings us to the third point, that when we are honoring our parents, we are the recipients of specific promises. When we're living our lives in this way, where we are seeking to be in the Lord and dependent upon the Lord, then that is when we find promise. And parent honoring children will find promise in their lives. Let's talk about honor for a moment. Where we've lost res- the understanding of respect, the basic uh, lack of respect in our culture. I think we've also misunderstood and misrepresented uh, the word honor. We don't know what it means. It's not a word we talk about a lot. I think the term is lost, but I think it means to honor is to hold in high esteem. When you're talking about parents, I think other cultures do this really, really well. They hold their parents and grandparents in the high esteem. This is a lifelong command, and we, in a way, show honor to the Lord when we show honor to our parents. It's not just something we do. When we are children, it is something we must strive for our entire lives, to live a life where we honor our parents. And when we do, we find promise. The fourth thing we see in this passage today is is specific for dads. But I think there's something we can all learn. But the point is, sensitive fathering can produce growing disciples. Paul, in this moment, hones in on the dads. Why? Because the dads are to be the spiritual leaders of their homes. Why? Because the dads and the men are and the men are to be the spiritual leaders of the church. This, in no way, negates what our sisters. In Christ are to do but Paul hones in on the men and he doesn't tell them to be stronger doesn't tell them to be more manly it doesn't tell them to be uh, macho and the things that we assume coincide with manliness or with godliness in manhood but he actually tells them to be more sensitive to the needs of his kids, to to be more in tune with their hearts. He says, don't lead them to wrath or to anger. For a long time, I had a marred relationship with my dad. Um, it's really mostly my, my own issues. My dad worked a lot, which you know, being the dad and the sole breadwinner of a home, you you, you know, there's times where you say, "I want to be here," but there's stuff I got to do. So I get that now. Didn't get it then. Um, my dad loved baseball, and uh, he wanted us all to be all stars. And uh, I failed him because I was terrible. My other three brothers were great. I was bad. They could all pitch, and uh, I could barely throw it out of the outfield to the infield. So It wasn't in the cards for me to be what my dad wanted me to be. That's what I felt. That's the weight I felt. And so because of that and just some difficult conversations over the years, we had a marred relationship. A difficult relationship at times my dad learned my dad became a little more sensitive of course and because there was a lot of yelling when you were terrible and I just didn't respond to that but you know what's hard you're, you're real smart when you're a kid right and you make you're like well if he just did this or that or whatever and then you have kids of your own and you realize I know why he yelled a lot um, But Paul tells us to be sensitive to the hearts of our children. To acknowledge what's happening deep down. To not allow ourselves to be hyped up and angry, thus leading them to anger, but to nurture them, he says. To nurture them and lead them and instruct them in the admonition of the Lord. Paul must have seen how some dads spoke with their kids after service or coming into the service or at some other time. And so he wanted Christian dads to be different than all the dads in the rest of the world, to nurture and guide our children to the nurturing and loving arms of our Savior. Dads should reflect the love of our Heavenly Father. And when we do, we disciple our children we lead them we guide them you may be like me and you may have messed up in many of these areas and you think oh God what have I done and what I would say to you is it's not too late it's not too late to make a change with your children with your grown children with your grandchildren with your great grandchildren it's not too late to make a change. It's not too late to be sensitive to their hearts. It's not too late to depend upon God, to do this in His strength, to do it in the Lord, to parent. It's not too late. I'm reminded of of Moses leading the people of God out of Egypt toward the promised land. It's Exodus chapter 13, and the Lord has them upon this precipice He shows them what lies ahead of them. It's before they've even passed the Red Sea, and he says, listen, I just brought you out of here, and I want you to devote yourselves to the, that's where he established the Passover meal and all the, Pieces of that, but he also said something so significant. And he says, I want you to consecrate your firstborn to me. Consecrate means to set aside, consecrate means to stake a claim, to make a declaration. Particularly in this case, it was over a specific child in the family, the firstborn son patriarchal society and what it was, it was really God establishing a system of, of making more disciples and it was a legacy system if you will if we take that and we sift it through the, the new covenant what we understand is this same principle follows through that we must first consecrate ourselves set ourselves aside, stake a claim, make a declaration over our lives. And thus, stake a claim over the lives of our children and our children's children. That's what we are all to do. And even if you don't have a child, You can stake a claim over these kids that are part of our church. So I'm gonna ask us to do something demonstrative today. I want you to demonstrate that you're seeking to follow this truth of God today. It's gonna be uncomfortable, but I want you to do it anyway. Anyway might be out of your comfort zone and that's okay because God calls us all the time out of our comforts to trust him and a way to be in the Lord means to be out of my comfort zone so what I ask you to do today is to make a declaration over your own children no matter their age to make a declaration over your grandchildren, your great-grandchildren, and the children of this church and to say, I'm going to be what God wants me to be so that I can help them walk with God themselves. Whether that's your own home or whether that's this church family, God is calling us all to do that. And so I want to ask you that you would move from your seat in just a moment, and that you would come forward as if you were bringing a flag and staking it in the ground and saying, not on my watch, not on my watch. I'm gonna do all I can do. I'm gonna be in the Lord, I'm gonna trust the Lord to do it, but I'm gonna do everything that I can do. I'm gonna devote my life where I need to so that children can grow and be discipled and grow in the Lord. I'm gonna do everything that I can do as a parent, grandparent, great-grandparent or surrogate parent and be used by God to do it. Jason's going to play, and uh, I'm going to go ahead and ask the rest of the team to go ahead and come up. I'm going to pray. They're going to play. and Whatever God is calling you to do, you come and make a declaration, and then we will pray again over all who are here at the altar. You can just stand. You don't have to kneel. Just come and stand and stake a claim as we pray. Lord, we pray, Lord, you would move in our hearts. Lord, help us to make a declaration today that we will be what we need to be. We will be the people you need us to be. We'll be in the Lord. We depend on you, God, to do what only you can do through us. We'll be the parents that we need to be. We'll be the church uh, leaders that we need to be. We'll be the... Grandparents and great-grandparents that we need to be so that we help children to walk in you. And we would stake a claim. We'd consecrate ourselves and consecrate our children in this moment. Be with us now as we do that. In Jesus' name, amen. Would you stand and would you make that declaration today? I am staking a claim today for my kids, and you come, you come. Just gather here at the front. If you want to stake a claim for your family, for your kids, for our church family, you just gather here at the front. We're going to pray over you, call you to do that. You just come forward and make this declaration today. pray here. We will invite you to pray with us. Maybe just extend your hand and help us to be what we need to be for our church family, for our own families, and that God will help us and strengthen us as we do what we can do to make a difference. Would you pray with us and pray over us now? Let's invite the Lord to help us. Lord, help us to be in your strength, Lord. Help us to do this in your name, Lord. Give us the strength that we need as we've made this declaration, if we mark this flag, this moment with this flag in our hands, Lord, to say we consecrate ourselves and we consecrate your children and we want to be what we need to be so that you can be who you've called us to be, Lord, through us, that you can give us the strength that we need, Lord, to lead and to guide and to, to nurture and instruct and help children and help our children grandchildren and great-grandchildren to know you, Lord, to walk with you, Lord, that it would be out of the overflow of our hearts and the overflow of our lives because we love you and we are devoted to you and we're living in your strength, God, every day and that We are not perfect, but we are depending upon you for everything, Lord, and that our kids would see, even in the midst of our mistakes, even in the midst of the mistakes we made years ago, that they would see something new in us, God, a power in us, a strength in us that is not our own, but is God's strength in us and over us, Lord, and the Holy Spirit, God, give us the power, give us the resources to to make a difference in the lives of not just our own children, but other children, maybe children even in foster care in the days to come, Lord, maybe children who are yet to be born, Lord, but you would help us to be what we need to be, Lord, so that we would have the strength to guide children to you, Lord, in a world where where these things are lost on us, respect and honor and where we're concerned about the world we're raising our children in, Lord, would you give us strength not to cower and to run and to hide in a bunker, but to be bold in our faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and to be loving and kind, but to be solid and firm that we be in your strength, God, you give us the strength that can only be yours. Help us, Lord. Help us, Lord. We need you. We need you. In your name we pray and everyone said amen. Let's sing together. You may go back to your seats.